When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. So I'm doing it tonight, what I should be used to doing, but I am having my virtual girls Christmas party tonight. Oh, for fuck's sake, what are you doing? A virtual girls night? No, honestly, though, I miss these girls so much. This is like... These are these are my bitches. Like I've known them since I was five, literally. Like we were all in the same kindergarten class, and we all went to the same high school together, and we still stay in touch. Now our kids are friends, even though they haven't seen each other all year. But I'm gonna see them. I'd like to see them in person, catch up a little bit, and I. You know what? I'm I'm down with it, Scott, because I don't have to go out and dress up and book or make sure I book a table somewhere good, and I I I, I tend to organize it. Um, so I don't have to worry about it. It's just literally a Zoom code, and that's all we have to worry about. And people log on whenever they want, and, and we just get drunk and just talk to each other. So I'm okay with with this. I'm okay with it tonight. I am. It's virtual, though. Like, there's no yeah. hugs. There's no cheers. No there's hugs. no clinking glasses no or anything fun. You're no. just looking at each other on a screen. Yeah, we're going to play some uh, games. We'll see how it goes, but we're going to play some games, and it should be all right. It should be all right. Okay. I'm, I'm I mean, okay hey, if you want to do it, go ahead. It's, it's fine. I mean, that's what we're all being asked to do is to to do these things virtually. I think I'm just done with uh, Zoom and Teams yeah. and no, all that shit. No, I totally shit. get it. And for, for anyone else, maybe, but I just miss them so much that I'm actually looking forward to it. <clears throat> okay. Well, hey, you have a great time. Uh, coming up on the podcast, we – oh, by the way, before I say this, are you the popular one in the group, would you say? Am I the popular one? We're all Are you like, the popular one in your friend circle? No, we were all popular. Like, we were all, like, just you knew that we were, like, a clique. Huh. Oh, that's good. I was so unpopular. Wow. All I right. mean, like, you had your obvious, like, think cliques in high school. And I always say, like, I loved high school. Actually, I had no problems in high school. But it's probably because, you know, I had a good time in high school. And I had, you know, a good group of friends. But, you know, looking back, I understand how some people would hate high school because there was those people you, you didn't really that kind of just weren't interested in that same social aspect as you were. And people are different. and You learn that. But hmm. uh, I was lucky. I had a really good experience in high school. Coming up very soon, Ryan Ingrand is going to join us. We've been talking about this all week, and I'm really excited to talk to him. He has got so many different perspectives on COVID-19, and he's going to tell you about that coming up. Uh, a couple of things before we get to that, though. No secret, as we sit one day away from Christmas, some people are going to pop the question. They say seven of the ten most popular days of the year for marriage proposals are in December. Seven out of the ten most popular in a year are this month. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Uh New Year's Eve are the big three for putting a ring on it (laughs) or getting one. You hate that. You think it's cliche. Oh, look, I, you know what? Here's what I like. I'll tell you, it's not even necessarily that I hate that or Valentine's Day, for example. It's not that I hate Christmas or Valentine's Day as a proposal option. It's just, if it's part of your story, good. I just don't like when people try to make something else part of their story. 
like part of my story, I, I, I love that, you know, my husband and I got to get married on the same day as our dating anniversary, if you will, that kind of thing. That worked for us. We were happy with that. That's functional, though. That's a convenient thing to do so you don't don't have to to remember another anniversary. We celebrate one day a year. That's it. That's all. We don't have to think about anything else. It's great. Those kind of things, I just think, to each couple, should be unique. And I guess, suppose, though, if it's one thing if... You know, I you started dating that person on Christmas Day, or I don't know how many people do that, or you have a special memory of Christmas, or that person loves Christmas, okay? So there's certain things I'm like, I get it, because that's special to you. But far too many people, is what bugs me, jump on those trains of like, well, it's the holidays, that's perfect, uh, or it's Valentine's Day, I must do it. Like, why? 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 Because someone declared this Valentine's Day, or it's Christmas, like, who cares? Do what you want in the moment that you want it and make it your own unique story that's what i like it's amazing how many people will drop hints that's why i brought it up they say uh people will start dropping hints usually once a month sometimes once a week dropping hints that they want the proposal or that they'll say yes if a proposal comes or trying to pick out the ring they would like to be proposed to with Mm mm-hmm the hints in advance are those important, or does that take away some of the magic? Uh, I I don't I don't okay. It depends on the hint. I don't love them though. Overall, don't really love it because I like the surprise. I think it's good, but at the same token, if let's say it's a man proposing to a woman, okay, so just for that scenario, and he would like to propose to his girl. And he's really not sure what kind of ring she'd like. It's okay to kind of give an idea if you know, hey, he might pick the wrong thing that I'm into. Or I want a princess cut yeah, and he's going to get So I like know. dropping little like things, I suppose, as long as they're not obvious. I don't know. It takes away a lot of the romance, in my opinion. But I also understand if you, if you need to make sure that he's aware uh, that you are interested. You know, that you are down for it. Has down your girlfriend it. given you any of those hints, by the way? No. She's been really, really good. I shouldn't say good. I don't know. (laughs) Good. Okay, so you don't want (laughs) this, Oh, fuck. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, she hasn't dropped any hints, but um, we will be taking on the dog together in the new year. So you're co-parenting a dog. That's right. Oh. That's about the extent of the commitment I'm prepared to make at this time. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) besides if you're gonna get engaged on a special occasion i know people like to think oh christmas eve will be special it also puts a lot of pressure though especially if you're around family or friends that's an awkward spot to put Mm -hmm. somebody in so be careful if you're gonna do the christmas eve or christmas day or even new year's eve proposal i highly recommend cinco de mayo that is the perfect occasion for everybody may the 5th (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine a Cinco de Mayo proposal? I hid the ring in a burrito. <laughs> I want that all on video. All of it. Please. I got to use Boy, that. That's material. She's, she's going to start getting real fucking nervous around the end of April, For isn't sure. she? <laughs> oh, fuck. Cinco's coming up. <laughs> Don't let him have any tequila. Don't let him have any tequila. <laughs> Will you be the Jose to my Cuervo? Let's go. oh that's great uh next week there's a couple of things happening this is the final weekend of fall it's hard to believe i I know it feels like winter there's snow on the roofs and on the lawns it looks like winter feels like winter but it's not until 502 a.m eastern time on monday is the first day of winter also on monday 
I think it's the conjuncture. Is that what they call it? It's when Jupiter and Saturn fall into alignment just beyond the moon. Oh, okay. It's a rare celestial event that's going to take place on the winter solstice. And this hasn't happened since the 1600s. It's probably the end of the world, though, right? I mean, I think that's what we're all anticipating. Just nothing after Monday. Right. Yeah, sure. You know I hate this shit. I know you hate that shit. I'm not even going to bother talking about the the theories on there about the Mayans and shit. Uh But nonetheless, Monday is going to be a fairly significant day. So that's good. I have to go out and shop this weekend. I have to go out and shop this weekend because I really, really feel like we're going into a lockdown. And I don't know if they're going to announce it today or Monday, but I think I think they're probably going to do it Monday. I think if they announce a lockdown today, it's going to do nothing but send people panicking into the malls and grocery stores to try and stock up. I agree with you. I worry about that, actually, because now we see this imminent like. Oh, emergency meeting. Like you don't throw all the, you know, we, we alluded to it yesterday in the podcast. You don't throw all these things out without there being actually substantially something behind it. So all of these things that we've been hearing the last few days of like, may, you know, it might be a good idea to do this because look at our hospitals or we're having emergency meetings. We'll, we'll let you know we're discussing. They don't do those things unless something's going to happen. And that does equal to people rushing out to the stores uh, and, and getting stuff. You're that's when all the fucking toilet paper starts disappearing again. Just you again. wait. Exactly. Even though people know that that's not how lockdown works. Just You'll be it. allowed to leave your house. Who, what do you have left to get, by the way? Um, is it gifts for people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most people. Oh, and everything I need for Christmas dinner. <laughs> right. Well, I'm with you there. I have not shopped for anything in terms of like groceries or any. I don't even know what I'm going to serve on Christmas. I have no idea. But uh, I got to get on that, I guess, too, because that's going to be a gong show. This weekend, Kristen Wiig hosts SNL. That's going to be fantastic. I love it when Mm -hmm. old cast members that have made it big come back and host the show. Me too. You know what it is, too? It's part... um, I would think it would be easier for them because they were on the show for so long, right? They get it. They know the people. They know the drill. They're good. Plus, Kristen Wiig is hilarious. And also, I like that it's kind of a piece of it is you remember where you came from. I love when past SNL personalities come back. And it's like it's almost like a... I'm thankful for this because Kristen Wiig knows full well, for example, she wouldn't be Kristen Wiig without what she did on SNL for many years. And I'm so excited for her to be back. I can't wait to see what characters she'll bring back because she has to pick and choose at this point which ones to bring back. And also possible special guests. But at that point, I'm so excited about the fact it's Kristen Wiig and Dua Lipa. That's great that I don't even care too much about the special surprises, but I'm also intrigued and I am willing to accept any and everything that they give us in terms of those special surprises and appearances. Before we bring on Ryan to talk about COVID and and really drill down on some of these numbers, it now looks like the plan is going to change. Initially, the plan, if COVID wasn't taken care of in time for this hockey season, was to have the American teams stay in America, the Canadian teams stay in Canada, and the Canadian teams would play each other and vice versa in America. Now, they might have to change it because the COVID numbers are not exactly going in the right direction, Mm -hmm. so now... A lot of the hockey insiders are reporting that all of the Canadian NHL teams are going to pick up and move to America for this season. Kind of like what the Raptors are doing down in Tampa. I'm going to be honest with you. When you think back to the history of the original six and all that sort of shit, I'm sure never in their wildest dreams did they imagine there would be no NHL hockey being played in Canada. Mm -hmm. Where are the Leafs going to go? 
Because yeah. I'm looking at some of the bigger cities in America that don't already have a team, and I think I've got a short list. I think this would be the way things would go. I think if the Leafs cross the border and have to play out of America, they're going to Indianapolis would be a fantastic spot, and it's very central for all their travel. They could go to Cleveland, which doesn't have a hockey team, or they could go to Rochester, albeit it's a very small arena. What do you think? Yeah, I, okay, so I don't even know where to begin in terms of me trying to speculate where they'll end up. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's just when they play in, not in their arena, I just don't like it as a viewer. <laughs> I think it'll be choice. better than the, the bubble, though. I mean, the bubble yeah. was fine, but it still was missing something, you know? Yeah, yeah. They no, did their best I to to yeah. pipe in the crowd noise and make it seem like a good atmosphere, but it'll be nice to see them playing in their home arenas again. It's just, I don't know how that's going to work. All the Canadian teams playing out of America. I imagine Vancouver would probably go and take up Seattle's spot for a little while, and and everybody's just going to move like laterally south. It's just how that works out for the Leafs. I don't know if anybody really knows yet. Either way, it's going to be a hell of a start to the hockey season. That's for damn sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. People are missing it too, by the way. Those who really love hockey are like, let's go. We've missed the first half of the season. Let's go, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, yeah. Okay, as promised, we do have a special guest on the podcast. I first noticed Ryan back in the summertime. Because Christine Elliott, our health minister, puts out these daily tweets with all the COVID numbers. And I noticed Ryan would reply to a few of them, and he had so much more information. And lo and behold, Ryan has sort of grown into like a social media celebrity now because he's sort of the guy who's got all of the info that you want that you can't get in an easy format from the health minister or the Ontario government. So let's bring him in now. Ryan Imgrun, good morning, and how are you? Not bad. How are you guys doing? We're good. So before we start this and start really talking about COVID, it's funny because when I reached out to you to ask you if you'd be interested in being on After 9, you actually pointed out you used to listen to us on the old station. All the time. All the time. Huge fan. Oh, that's cool. Okay, Ryan, you are a biostatistician. (laughs) Okay, my number one question. What the heck is that? It's basically someone who marries a field of science and also math. Um, And these days, obviously, the big uh, science is obviously COVID-19. Wow. Okay. So, so you're the if there person. wasn't a pandemic, what would you be doing every day then? Well, I like, teach right now. I'm a uh, like high school teacher, um, but I have also been doing a whole bunch of modeling um, more for bacteria than anything else. But not really uh, like viruses before this. Um, so I just kind of you know shifted over a small bit. Hmm. hmm. Okay. Let's talk about COVID for a second here. You have incredible numbers. I mean, I look at them all the time. And do you actually compile a different report every single day? I do. Every single night, I kind of look at these statistics for the day. um, And I figure out the most useful way to kind of get that information across, whether it be a risk analysis, whether it be something called the reproductive value. It's just a whole bunch of 
stats that make sense of the daily numbers because the daily numbers fluctuate quite a bit, and I think we've become immune to them. That's a good point. I think people see the numbers, and it's funny because it used to be back in the summertime, if we had 300 new cases, people were jumping out the windows. Now we get 2,000 cases, and people are like, eh, whatever. Yeah. 100%. And I think that's the, you know, the key thing to note is that, you know, we're seeing a record number of like cases right now, and like people just need to make sense of it because, once again, they mm-hmm. fluctuate quite a bit. Um, and, you know, and it, it's interesting, too, because now there's been so other provinces – which are in a similar state to Ontario, where they're only getting cases and they're not really getting these other summary statistics, which really give a lot more information. Okay. So, and knowing what you know right now, at the stage that we're at and we're in currently, if you were to put it on a scale, like where would we be at? How do you feel that we should be consuming this information? Do you feel panicked at this point? Do you feel like we're in an okay spot? Like overall, how do you feel about right now? Well, we're in a situation now where we've got the Christmas coming, so we're going to be having gatherings um, inevitably, and that always leads to more COVID-19. At the exact same time, we're not going to have students in school, so that will reduce the amount of COVID-19. I think the best-case scenario for these next two weeks, if nothing else is done, is that we're going to kind of like plateau. And the issue with the plateau is that hospitalizations are at a, you know, an all-time high right now, um, and we're seeing, you know, a shift towards patients in the ICU. And that's what worries me is because we're seeing these record numbers now, but they won't translate into hospitalizations for probably another two or three weeks. Okay. So as I think about it, let's say, uh, let's say one in four families that normally have a gathering has a gathering this year. That's still thousands and thousands and thousands of potential infections. Of those potential infections, do you happen to know how many people, like when you look at the number of cases versus how many people go into the hospital, is there a way to draw a correlation there? Like if we get a thousand cases on average, five of them will become hospitalized? Yeah. So, you know, it's um, a lot higher than that. And it also depends on the age group as well. I think right now what we're seeing is that we're seeing um, most of these cases are in the 90-year-old-plus population, there's a lot in the 80-year-old-plus population, um, and these inevitably lead to deaths, but they're not normally hospitalizations. There's this interesting thing here in Ontario where we have individuals that are in long-term care, but they don't necessarily seek hospitalization because there's some disincentives from the long-term care facility for them to go to the hospital because then for them to, for them to return back to the long-term care facility, they have to self-isolate. And if you're a 90-year-old, that is in a long-term care facility, that's not the easiest thing to do. That's true. You said you're a teacher. Do you believe the education minister, Stephen Lecce, when he says that schools are not the problem when it comes to the spread of COVID? It's the community. No, absolutely not. I, you know, the schools are what is driving transmission, and I think that's become fairly obvious these last few weeks when we've locked down Peel, we've locked down Toronto, and yet we still see cases increase. It makes no sense for us to see that case increase unless we have some other factor driving transmission. And that is definitely, without a doubt, school. Hmm. So you don't think it has a lot to do also with, I feel like, how I've put it since the beginning of this is I feel like we've gone through stages. You know, you go through stages of grief. I feel like we've gone through stages of COVID where in the beginning we were like, okay, I'm scared, I'm staying in. And then we're like, okay, I'm starting to accept it. And then we got to a stage during the second wave, I feel like, where we're in a bit of a rebellion phase. Do you think that also might have something to do with it? Is people are like, 
screw this. Like, I want to still see that loved one. How is it fair I can go to Walmart and stand next to this stranger, but I can't go see my family? Do you feel like there's a little bit more to that as well, though? 100%. And I think, you know, to stop COVID-19, there's a number of things we need to do. And you're exactly right. There's a lot of mixed messaging going on where we have, you know, stores that are relatively small, which don't have customers stay for a long period of time being fully shut down. And then we have big box stores that can open to whatever the capacity they want to open to. So when you see mixed messaging like that, it causes can, uh, the confusion in the population because if they're not able to make sense of the restrictions that we have in like place, they're going to rebel against those instructions and we'll be where we are right now. So there, it's, it's really multifactorial, many, many things which are leading to the COVID cases that we're seeing right now, and that is absolutely one of them, 100%. Let's go back to the schools for a second, because one of the things that fascinates me is we know that you're more likely to find an asymptomatic person in the younger age demographics. So you think that there's a lot of spread coming from the schools, not going into it from the communities. If that's the case, is the reason that we're not seeing a whole bunch of zombie like sick people wandering around the schools then because they're asymptomatic or is there another factor there? Yeah, and that's exactly it. It is this like asymptomatic transmission, which we have, um, which we also have to note that if someone is asymptomatic, it doesn't mean that they're not able to spread to other people. They can still like take this home to their family, grandparents, um, you know, and other people like that. They can still spread it to other students as well. Um, the other thing, too, which we should note is that we have the screening tool here in Ontario, which if you show symptoms, you stay home, but you don't necessarily have to get tested. There's a school screening tool and there's an Ontario screening tool, and the screening tools are absolutely different. Students really? are like told, stay home, but you don't have to get tested. But if you're an adult in the exact same situation, they strongly recommend you get tested. So there's that mixed messaging there as well. Do you think there is a lot of spread coming from restaurants and gyms and small retail, the, the businesses that are being affected in particular by the current restrictions? It's a very, very good question. And what we really have to do is, is we have to look to areas that have actually done studies on this. And I know that the, the closest area that has is Chicago. And what they have shown is that when any business, essential or not, operates at 20% capacity, that's enough to be able to drive down the case numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so one of the reasons for that is that you don't have individuals that are all in the store at the exact same time. And one thing that we've done here in Ontario is that, you know, with um, like malls or the things like that, we've reduced the hours. Well, that's not going to decrease capacity. It's going to increase capacity. So I think that's one of the things there is that what we should be doing for all businesses, essential or not, reducing them to 20% capacity but allowing them to increase their hours. If they want to stay open 24 hours a day, they're absolutely entitled to. I agree with you. In fact, I think all businesses that are have been given the gift of being able to be open physically right now should be obligated to be open 24 hours a day. It would employ more people and it would spread out the amount of shoppers. I mean, I think that's just common sense. 100%. And I know back in March, I was routinely shopping at 3 o'clock in the morning and there was nobody there. And yet you would see the parking lot the very next day and it was yes. absolutely rammed with people. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things that's relatively easy to do. And I think it would also help businesses out, too, because it's going to increase the amount of money they're able to bring in. 
it's you're bang on with exactly what you said. You know, you could go out at like four o'clock in the morning to somewhere who, that is of 24 hour and you're like, this is great. The next day, everyone's cramming into these stores during their reduced hours. It doesn't make sense. And the other part that bothers me, too, is these smaller businesses have been doing everything right since they were able to reopen. You know, they spent money on the plexiglass and they made sure that everything was partitioned off and marked on the floor and everything else just to get shut down again. It's it's brutal. 100 percent. And I think, too, you know, the other thing which we can also point out is that some of these non-essential businesses that have been asked to shut down, they have a dwell time that is very, very small. In other words, it's individuals that are shopping there that aren't staying there for, you know, 45, 50 minutes at a time. They're there for maybe three or four minutes. And that's why things uh, like convenience stores, it's been shown that they don't lead to like transmission because individuals aren't staying there for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of the businesses that we are shutting down are ones that, that individuals will only spend three or four minutes in, like grab something, and then just leave. It really, really, really seems like the politicians are building us up right now. From John Tory to Patrick Brown and Body Crombie to Justin Trudeau and so on and so forth, and Doug Ford, obviously. It seems like they've spent the last few days preparing us for a lockdown over the holidays. Will that work, in your opinion? I think what... Well, you know, it it depends what the lockdown actually targets. I mean, my big thing is that I think over the the Christmas break, we're going to have people gathering and we're going to have transmission move from one area to the next. And I think one of the things that needs to come out that I hope comes out is that we need the gathering restrictions that are going to be province wide. We also need to encourage people not to travel from one area to the next, from one zone to the next, because then we're going to be seeing like areas that are like green become orange, red, whatever else. So that's the the biggest thing which needs to be done. And then I think schools need to be closed down for two weeks following the break because we know people are going to inherently misbehave over the Christmas break. They're going to visit people. And when that happens, we're going to see cases. And when we have schools open, we're going to see those cases transmitted from one person to the next, one household to the next. And we're going to see the cases outside those schools drastically increase. What is our reproductive rate right now? You mentioned that right at the beginning, and I never followed up, but I'm sure some people are wondering. For every one person that gets sick, how many people are they infecting? Right now, it's right around one, which is interesting because you may be asking, well, how is that around one when we're seeing record number of cases? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, about three or four days ago, it was 1.05. Now, one thing we need to keep in mind is that this reproductive rate is looking at symptom onset of cases. The, The cases that we see released by the government every day are simply the like date are the cases that we're recording. Some of those may have been like back in August, September, and they're not actually transmissible cases anymore. So therefore, they don't really you know matter as much as more like recent cases, which can still be transmitted from one person to the next. So this reproductive rate is based off of symptoms, and normally the cases recorded deviate by about you know, three to four days. So if you see that reproductive value on the weekend go high, it means that midweek, we're going to see the number of cases also increase too. Okay. So we've got the vaccines now. Now we have the Pfizer and the the Moderna. How long realistically, in your opinion, will it take until we can get to a point where we can walk around without masks on and not have to worry about physical distancing. I, I guess I'm asking, can herd immunity be achieved and can we eradicate COVID and get back to our regular lives? Yeah, I think the earliest 
something like this may be possible would be September. It's definitely not possible earlier than that because we need to remember that for the, for the first three months, we're going to be rolling out this vaccine in long-term care facilities. And that is fantastic because that's going to stop mortality. But we know that we don't have individuals from long-term care facilities spreading these cases in the, the community. So what's going to happen is that the community cases are still going to increase. So the vaccine will have an effect on like deaths, but not on the actual transmission of cases. So because of that, it's going to take a lot longer for us to be able to hammer down these numbers. And I look back to just this past summer where we had, you know, um, some days in August where we were seeing 30 to 40 cases per day. It's very, very reasonable that if we were into this August where we're seeing 30 or 40 cases per day, but we had a vaccine, we could definitely get that down to COVID zero. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, to think about that seems like climbing Mount Everest, right? It does. It certainly does. Um, Do you believe the government's numbers every day? Because one of the things that people pound us, because we're in the media, they hammer us all the time about false positives and uh, made up numbers and they're all skewed. What's your real take on that? I fully believe the numbers, um, but I don't like the way that they're like presented every day. And that's why I kind of do my like twist on them um, because, you know, it's just simply case counts, but I don't see any issue with those case numbers. I don't think the government's hiding anything. And if they were, I'd be the first to mention that, but I you know, certainly think they aren't hiding anything. There's a whole bunch of information um, on the, on, you know, false positives, um, you know, things like that. Those get removed from the, the case count, like ultimately anyway. So those wouldn't be in the like daily release of numbers. Okay. If you were in charge, if it was Premier Ryan Imgrund right now, what would you do? Well, I think one thing I would do is I would very, very timely announce no gatherings in the whole province of Ontario. That's the first thing. Second yep. thing is I would shut down schools for the two weeks following Christmas break. And the third action um, that I would like take would be to have all businesses operate at 20% capacity. Once those actions are taken, we need to find ways to support people that would be affected by those actions, because it's not going to be easy for anyone. But those are the three actions that that I would take that I know for a fact would reduce the amount of COVID which we see here in Ontario. Do you have ambitions, just out of curiosity, based on what Scott just said, to uh, to get into that, to get into politics one day? Zero. <laughs> really? Okay. Interesting. Okay. Zero. I will. I. I will. I will never get into politics ever. Okay. Hmm. But on that vein, though, I mean, like I said, the reason I noticed you initially was because you had really great, concise, clear-cut information every day as a reply to the health minister. And I'm wondering, because sometimes it almost seems like you're trolling them a little bit. (laughs) And I'm wondering, have they reached out to you? Have you had a call or an email or a DM from the health minister or the education minister or even the premier? No, um, I've received contacts for their... Uh, like communication staff um, saying that I'm wrong to feel the way that I think. Um, the only like party that has actually reached out to me has been the NDP. Um, I've um, met uh, with Andrea Horvath. Um, she was asking about schools. Um, but once again, that, that does not make me NDP-oriented. I would meet with anybody from any party who wants more information on like, COVID-19. But it was, in fact, the NDP which reached out to me to uh, you know, find out what I think about COVID-19 in schools. Okay. I want to do a a plug here for your Twitter. For anybody who's not already, I highly recommend following Ryan. It's at 
I-M-G-R-U-N-D, at I-M-G-R-U-N-D. Throw him a follow and watch what he's posting every single day because the amount of work that you do blows me away because you don't get paid for this. I don't get paid for it. I don't get paid. I don't sleep either, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, while we've got you on the, the line anyway, one more thing. How bad it I saw an article in The Sun the other day. I think it was Brian Lilly that wrote this. Oh, and he was talking okay, about, right. relatively speaking, if you just look at Ontario's cases and if you considered Ontario a nation of its own, forget the rest of Canada, just Ontario, we would be one of the lowest states. We would have one of the lowest case counts of the entire G7. How is Ontario doing in comparison to America and in comparison to many other jurisdictions in the world? Yeah, I mean, we're we're doing much better than the USA, but I think if that becomes your reference frame, it's a really, really big problem. I mean, we should be looking at the countries that have done very, very well with this. Um, we could look at, like, South Korea, uh, Singapore. Singapore has seen one, one weekly case per 100,000 people. Oh, my gosh. We're seeing 100 weekly cases per 100,000 people. Um, you look at some places like Australia, they're seeing three weekly cases per million people. So those are the countries that we should be looking at. Why are we like, comparing ourselves to the United States where the COVID is absolutely out of control? Well said. Ryan, I know it's a busy time of year and you probably have some numbers to crunch, but thank you very much. We so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Okay, that's really good to know. And we will probably call upon you again. Absolutely. Throw right. Yeah, throw Ryan a follow again on Twitter at Imgrund, I-M-G-R-U-N-D, and you can also find the link in the description of this podcast. Ryan, thanks a lot for your time, man. Take care. Take care. Well, that was a lot of of info, but very good info, eh? Yeah, you know, one of the, I'm glad he brought it up because I'm sure he gets accused of it a lot too, and everybody's feeling very politically motivated these days. Um, I'm glad he pointed out he doesn't have any political affiliation mm-hmm. he, and he has no interest in being in yeah. politics either. Yep. Uh, it feels a little less skewed than what we get from the government. And let's be honest, we know there's a lot of people who just plain don't trust the government. You know, I love his point too toward the end there about the states because we constantly do that just because they're our neighbors, I suppose. But for those who aren't aware, Take a moment to look up other places in the world. I mean, he mentioned South Korea. He also mentioned Australia. New Zealand's another one. They're living life like nothing's going on right now because they've been doing all the right things from the beginning. It's insane. They have massive parties. They're doing big New Year's festivals. They're doing all those normal things that we used to do um, for, for a reason. Those are definitely the countries we should look to. We shouldn't really look to others who are shit, which we tend to do. We tend to just focus and hone in on our neighbors to the south all the time. I know we have a lot of them listening now, too. But that's what we tend to do is compare ourselves and go, oh, well, we're fine compared to them. Yeah, sure. But that's not the benchmark. Benchmark is those countries, those areas that are doing so well. I mean, he hit the nail on the head there for me. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening through that interview. I thought that was really good info. Um, And I'm curious because, you know what, I I don't have all the answers. And it's nice to, to get a little perspective on it. So thanks again, Ryan, for coming on. That was really, really well done. And on that, we will say thank you very much for listening to this edition of After 9. We will wrap it up for today. But just so you know, guys, we are on all next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are we working are. right through until Christmas Eve. And we are working up to the season finale of season three. And you know the guest we were talking about? Mm-hmm. 
Is, did you reach out to that guest? Is that guest confirmed? Do you want to? I, to be honest with you, we, we didn't really finalize whether you and I were going to do it. But if you want to do it, we'll do it. Yeah. Once I think we should do it, and I think we should do it next week. Okay. Yes, we'll do it. Yeah. Okay, guys. You're not going to want to miss After 9 next week. So hit that subscribe button, and you will get notified of all future episodes. And enjoy your weekend. Be safe and stay the fuck away from each other. Try to do things right so we can have nice things. <laughs> <laughs>